chapter number 22 and verse 14. And I know I'm, uh, some of you, if you remember last Sunday, by the way, I thoroughly enjoyed last Sunday and the baptizing. And uh, we talked about it in Sunday school. I think that was probably the largest crowd I've ever seen at a baptizing, and it was good. Uh, and I'm so thankful for all of those that uh, are new members. Let's pray for them. Let's teach them. Um, and uh, let's pray for them. Uh, but I know I read this last Sunday, but I'm going to talk about something else today. Uh, but it's uh, the same scripture. Acts 22, and uh, go down to verse 14. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. That's all in that chapter. Now go to chapter 26. And this is the Apostle Paul before King Agrippa. And I'm going to read um, a lot of this chapter. Um, Acts 26, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews." which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon I went to Damascus with the authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of the things which thou hast seen and of those things into which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And I'm going to stop there in the reading. There is maybe one verse in Acts chapter 2 that I'll read, but you don't have to turn there. But this is as our Lord was ascending. The last instruction He gave to the apostles 
was you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses both uh, to me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So I, like I said, I didn't really have a chance to, to read much or study much, but uh, as I thought about on the drive back last night, maybe what would be needed this morning, and it may be brief, because uh, I'm tired, uh, but, uh, but I thought about just the fact that uh, of a witness and, and the amount of times in the Scripture, and we've heard it even here this morning among your testimonies as Sister Debbie's good, and, and to begin to thank God. You know what that is? That's a witness. Uh, when we sing something as simple as the days of the week song, you might not say a word, you might not speak a word, but you know what you're doing uh, when you stand up on that day. Uh, that is a witness. Uh, that is a witness that God has done something on the inside of you uh, that this world does not know anything about. Uh, that's a witness that something profound has taken place. Uh, Brother Philip loves uh, uh, Psalms 107 too. Uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, I mean, he's called us as he told the apostles uh, right before he ascended back to heaven. Uh, the last thing he said to them uh, was you tarry and wait at Jerusalem until you be endued with the power of the Holy Ghost from on high. And he said when that happens, uh, uh, then you you shall be a witness unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, we read that uh, the in Acts 22. Uh, the Apostle Paul had just been saved. Uh, he was Saul of Tarsus and he was a, uh, he was a horrible, vile creature. Uh, he was a religious man, yes. Uh, uh, we, we read that account unto you what he told Agrippa. I'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, but Ananias came in and he said, Paul, uh, our Saul at that time. He said, I've had a vision. He said, the Lord has told me. And he called him Brother Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord has appeared to me. And he said, he told me to come and anoint you. And he said, when God told me that, and I said, but Lord, I've heard of many. I know that name, Saul of Tarsus. You must understand that every believer, every servant of God knew that name. Saul of Tarsus, uh, uh, for he was one that uh, that men feared, uh, that Christians feared, uh, uh, because of that time uh, uh, he was a Pharisee and he was going out and binding men and women, uh, uh, anybody that he found calling on the name of the Lord. He said he persecuted them even under strange cities. Uh, I mean, there wasn't nowhere you could hide, and so every believer knew uh, that name, Saul of Tarsus, uh, and it struck fear in him. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard of this man. How that many, many, many are shut up in prison because of him. And how that many are even dead. And the Apostle Paul, later in life, he was redoing that. But Ananias, I'll get to that in a minute. Ananias said, Brother Saul, God has instructed me to come to you. And I questioned with God. And God has told me that don't be afraid. I've chosen this man. He's going to be a vessel of righteousness for me. He said, you go. He saw in a vision. Saul had saw in a vision at the same time a man by the name of Ananias coming. And so Ananias came and baptized the Apostle Paul in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But he said, you are going to be a witness.
witness of what you've seen and what you've heard. Uh, Acts 26, we read there, uh, it was his account before Agrippa, and it started out. He said, Paul, uh, you may answer for yourself. And Paul said, I'm glad that I can answer for myself. Uh, what does that mean to me today? In 2023, it means I'm glad that I've got something to tell for myself. I'm glad that I won't have to depend. I preached one time not long ago that in the day of judgment, there is coming a day of judgment on this earth. That arrow has already been unleashed from the throne of heaven and it's flying straight. And when it lands, it's going to bring death and hell and judgment. And that judgment will affect every last one of us. For everybody that's ever lived, even those that are in the grave, shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those that are dead shall live and rise and stand in judgment. But I preached not too long ago a message and in that I said in that day you won't do like you do here. You won't be able to call character witnesses to the stand for you. You won't be able to call your pastor and your deacons and your family and they won't get to stand in your place and give your account before for God, but you will have to give that yourself. I'm glad that I'm going to give that account myself. I'm glad that when I stand before Him, I can go back to a time and a place where He spoke peace to my soul. I'm glad I've got that place where I become acquainted with that man of sin, that man of sorrows, that lowly Galilean, that Jesus of Nazareth, that Lamb of God. I'm glad I've got a time and a place that when man Mankind ask of me. Now, what did Peter say in his epistle? He said it like this. He said, Be always ready to give an answer to any man that might ask you. Now, what is the reason of hope that lies within you? Now, my friend, as we look about in this dark, dark land, we've got a reason of hope inside of us. If you've been born again, you've got a song to sing and a story to tell. And it says, Be always ready to give an answer when men might. I'd ask of you, uh, why do you look so different? Uh, why even in the midst of the storms of life can you be so happy? And so always be ready. And so Paul said, I'm glad Agrippa, I can answer for myself. And he started and told that experience how he was on the road binding men and women, even consenting when they killed the first martyr, when they killed Stephen and stoned Stephen, calling upon the name of the Lord. As Stephen closed his eyes and he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I see Jesus Jesus standing uh, as he had that vision. Uh, a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus was there. He was holding the coats uh, uh, so that blood spatter wouldn't get on the coats of the men stoning him. He was consenting unto Stephen's death. If you think God's grace can't transform a man, uh, here you have this man who at one day, uh, he was on a journey, and uh, he was mad. I read that unto you. He was angry. He was binding men. Uh, anybody that called on the name of Jesus, uh, he was binding up, uh, persecuting them, even out of his region, chasing them, even under strange cities. And all of a sudden, something happened. He saw a light, and he heard the voice of God. He come face to face with Jesus of Nazareth, and he got saved. And after that, Saul of Tarsus died. 
And the Apostle Paul was born. And the Apostle Paul was such a fervent worker. I don't think any of us could ever repay what the Apostle Paul has done for all of mankind. For he became the author of the majority of books in the New Testament. He opened up the doctrine of eternal life. He opened up the doctrine of what did the cross at Calvary really mean to us. The Apostle Paul opened all of that up. And so the people in Galatia, uh, when he went to preach, uh, they began to be scared. We've heard of this man. Uh, but some told them, he said, you've got to come and see this preacher. Uh, you've got to come and see this man. I know you know about him. I know you heard about him. Uh, but he's no longer Saul of Tarsus. Uh, uh, something's happened to him. And now he's preaching the faith, which once he destroyed I'm telling you, if the grace of God hasn't changed your life, you've never been saved. I say that, and, and I don't, let me back up. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I was saved young. It's not like I was an alcoholic or a blasphemer. It's not like I was a drunkard. It's not like I cussed like a sailor. I was young. I didn't know about doing any of that. But when I say your nature has changed, you know what I mean? From the night that I got saved, my life is His life. I, I want to serve Him. I want to please Him. From that point, before that time, Sin didn't bother me. I could sin and it didn't bother me. But since that time, that's a difference. I hate sin. I hate my own sin. I repent of my own sin. I grieve over my own sin. That's what I mean by making a change on the inside. And so he said, I'll answer for myself. And I got to think about the times that we have had opportunities and the times in the Scripture, uh, in the short time that Jesus walked among us, even from the very time He was born in that manger at Bethlehem, uh, the Bible says there was a witness that came straight out of heaven. It was a witness that appeared unto shepherds in the field, abiding and keeping watch over their flock by night. Uh, but it was a witness uh, as those shepherds were there on the hillside. It was a night like every other night in Bethlehem until all at once. Uh, the Bible says an angel appeared and began to tell those shepherds uh, that today in the city of David uh, it was everything that they had been waiting for for thousands of years they had heard that story uh, they knew the story of Abraham uh, they knew the story of a coming redeemer uh, they knew the one Moses and the prophets wrote about uh, but that night uh, everything that they were waiting on it came into being uh, all at once and all of a sudden an angel appeared and he said there's a babe born in Bethlehem of Judea. He's born of a virgin. And from that time, the world has never been the same. Since that time, the witness has been on the earth. Since that time, Jesus Christ walked the earth. He was the faithful witness. Revelation said he's the true and faithful witness. And when he left, he sent his spirit into this land and now we have a witness by the Holy Ghost of God. I'm thankful for that witness. And you know what? If you've been saved, that witness lives inside of you. Aren't you glad of that? Uh, but there are times that as, as uh, Brother Philip loves, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do you realize the opportunities that we have before us uh, that we can simply, uh, whether it's with our voice or just the life that we live, uh, we are a testimony. Uh, we are a witness. 
And I thought about even when he was born into this land, uh, there was a witness, and no shepherds went, and no shepherds said, Let's now go. Uh, they saw the angels line up, uh, they saw a multitude of the heavenly hosts uh, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Uh, friends, that's goodwill from God in heaven. Uh, the goodwill toward men is something we should all rejoice over uh, because he said unto you this day, in the city of David is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Aren't you glad of that? Now, preacher, what are you doing preaching a Christmas message? And I'll, Listen, I don't care what time of year it is. The incarnation of our Lord excites me. In the dead heat of the summer, it's supposed to be around 100 degrees this week. I'm excited about it now. Just as much as I'll be in the middle of December. I'm telling you to think about our Lord disrobing Himself of all of His glory. And for a period of 33 years, being made lower than the angels for the suffering and death that I can be saved. That stirs my heart. It really does. And those shepherds said, let's go and see the things that we've been told. And they came with haste and found the babe. And Mary and the babe lying in a manger just as the angel said. And they found who they were looking for. And they went off and you know what they said. Everybody for the rest of their life. I believe everybody they met. They said we saw a baby. What's so special about that baby? Well there's none else like him. He was born of a virgin. He didn't come into this land like you and me. He was a king. He was born a king. He didn't have to wait till some king died and then become a king. He was born a king. And that's never happened before. Born a king. There's never been one like him. As he grew in age, we see him at 12 years old. We see him in the temple talking to the doctors of the law, talking about the law of God. And men marveled. And men walked out of that talking about this 12-year-old boy. What's so special about a 12-year-old boy? Well, there ain't nobody like him. That's what. Nobody I mean a witness as he opened up his ministry and he was baptized. John the Baptist said, This is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He began to call his church out. Began to call his apostles out. Men followed him everywhere. And everywhere he went, he would heal the lame. He went to a woman at a well one day that didn't know anything about God much. She didn't know how to worship. And by the time he was finished with her, he saved her soul as she ran into the city. You think she wouldn't have witnessed? He took a woman that was lowly and ashamed and living in sin and living and shacking up with a man she wouldn't marry to and married and divorced five times and now shacked up with somebody as she was ashamed. as She wouldn't get around the other women to go draw water as she waited till everybody was gone. And she went there. She was a sinner and she knew she was a sinner. By the time he saved her, she didn't care uh, that there was a crowd of people around as uh, she sought them out and said come see a man there's not a man like this man she was a witness and many believed because of the saying of the woman you think you don't have power I'm telling you, you are a living witness. Your body, your life is a living sacrifice unto God. You are a witness unto Him. 
You are a witness. Uh, the Bible talks about different times. Uh, there would be, uh, we'd be here week after week uh, if I preached to you every time. Uh, but think about just a few. Uh, think about him walking upon the water. Uh, think about the witness of Peter after that. Uh, think about the witness of a widow woman one time uh, carrying her son, her only son, out to bury. I mean, already in a casket as they were carrying the coffin out. Uh, Jesus Christ came. And he stopped the funeral and he said, wait just a minute. He looked at that widow woman and he knew that son was the only thing she had. As she was a widow, her husband was dead. As she had no more children, as she was probably going to die a destitute, had no way to make a living, and nobody to call her home, and nobody to go home to. And she took that and he looked at her face and he saw that pain and agony in her face and saw that worry about how she was going to survive and he stopped the funeral he went up and he touched the casket uh, touched the coffin and that man rose from the dead and he went out and said there's not a man like him he was a witness you think about all those times I mean time after time after time he took a man that was so vile and so wild and so eat up with demons uh, preacher you mentioned demons yes sir I mean you don't think we're under the influence of demonic forces in America today I hate to tell you if you don't believe in that you're not living the same place that I'm living I'm telling you they're real and so those demons, uh, those demons had attached themselves to a man that was so wild and nobody could help him, nobody could tame him, and nobody could even keep clothes on him. He wore chains. He stayed in a cemetery. Uh, that's where he stayed, in the caves and in the cemetery, uh, bound with fetters and chains. But he would break the chains. He would tear off his clothes. And just a wild sinner, I mean, eat up with every demonic spirit you could find until as as the brother said during revival, you know what happened to him one day? The same thing that happened to every born again believer. If I could quote Brother Philip again, I'd never forget what you said. It resonated with me about what happens when a person is saved. Uh, they're, uh, they're drawing nigh to God and God is drawing nigh to them and He's reaching out and you're reaching out and if you keep drawing nigh to Him and He keeps drawing nigh to you, what do you suppose will eventually take place? That moment of contact. And it changes everything. Now that demonic man in the tombs, and naked, and naked and bound with chains, when he drew nigh to Christ, Christ drew nigh to him. And there was a moment in time they made contact. And Jesus Christ cleaned that man up. And he saved his soul. That man when the town came out and said, what's happened to this demonic? What's happened to this demon-possessed man? And they said, one came running and said, I found him. I know right where he's at. And somebody said, where is he? And somebody said, I found him sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, and in his right mind. He said, Lord, let me go with you. You know what the Lord said to him? He said, no. Don't come with me. He said, I've got something else for you to do. I want you to go back to your home. This man had a home. I want you to go back to where you came from. And I want you to spread what happened to you to everybody that will listen. 
And that demonic man that was ate up with plagues and demons went back to his home and for the rest of his life he said there's not a man like him. Jesus of Nazareth. Time after time after time people had an encounter. Had an interaction. And from the time they had that interaction their life was never the same. Jesus Christ has the power to completely and absolutely transform everything about you and your life. If He has not that power, then He's no God. But He is absolute King of kings and Lord of lords. He has the power to transform lives. He has power to raise the dead. What do you think, Lazarus? And Martha and Mary said, every time somebody laid their eyes on Lazarus and said, I can't believe it. We watched you die and you suffered greatly and then you died and you were buried and four days later you came out of that tomb and all Lazarus could say was there's nobody like him. All I know is I was in a deep dark cave. I was dead and buried in the grave and all I know from Lazarus' point of view is all of a sudden I heard a voice that said Lazarus come forth and he said there was never anybody that's ever Nobody like him. I thought about even when our Lord raised from the dead. There's not one like him. And when he broke the chains and bars of death and he walked out of that tomb and he walked out alive and well and death scratched his head, even death had to say, hey, there's nobody like him. I thought about those apostles. What If you believe that book is nothing but a bunch of a man-made stuff. Let me ask you this. What did men have to gain by spreading that? You realize that by spreading the gospel and being a witness, they were killed. They had absolutely nothing to gain and everything to lose. And yet they still went out and told everybody there's not a man like him. Man. That's what Paul was trying to tell Agrippa. Agrippa, he said, I was a Pharisee. And everybody that knows me knows I was a Pharisee. To the straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. I was an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. I was caught at the feet of Gamal. I had a proper teaching and a proper training, a proper religious master. I thought I understood everything. But he said, I thought it within myself to do everything in my power contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. But he said, Agrippa, suddenly about noonday on the road to Damascus, something changed. And I heard a voice and I cried out, Who are you, Lord? And that voice said, Saul, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard to kick against the bricks. He said, I'm going to make you a minister. And you're going to go and bear my name to the Gentiles. And you're going to bear my name here first. And Paul said, but Lord, have they heard how I persecuted them? They call upon your name. They won't hear me. And God said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. Why? Because, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, took the Scripture and took the Gospel into Asia and different places. Uh, but he had a vision one day that said, Come into Macedonia and help us. 
Uh, what does that have to do with us in America? Uh, Paul went to Greece. Uh, he went to Macedonia. He went to Europe. Uh, the gospel started there. And then it spread to America from there. I'm telling you, it changed everything. There's nobody like him. He said, Agrippa, since that moment of contact on the road to Damascus, I'm not the same person. I'm not Saul of Tarsus. I'm not a Pharisee. But something happened to me. And he said, because of what happened to me, because of that moment in time, I'm called in question to you about the resurrection of the dead. Why, he said, should you believe it a strange thing that God should raise the dead? And he began to teach him about Jesus Christ and Him crucified and how He could be saved. And Paul said, or Agrippa said, Paul, you almost, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I wish that you and everybody here was altogether such as I am except these bodies. In other words, what Paul said was the same thing that the woman at the well did. He wanted others to be saved. And when you get saved, it's just a natural thing that God implants inside of you that you want others to be saved. You know that it's not gonna it's not gonna be possible for others to be saved unless the church of the living God is still that witness. I mean, he don't need us to save anybody, but he does need us for a witness. I mean, he don't really need us, he's witnessing himself. But he uses us to witness. To witness to lost people. And not just the lost. Sometimes we witness the saved people. Imagine those disciples on the on the ship. Imagine when that storm came up. Imagine what they were going to do. And Jesus Himself was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. He didn't have a care in the world. They were like me. They were worried. They were worried for their life. And they went down and they cried out, Lord, do You not care about us? We're dying up there. If there's anything You can do to help us, I'm telling you there's a song that says He knows Your voice. Lift Your hands. It's time to rejoice that your cries have awoken the Master. And I like that song. Their cries woke up the Master. And he, it's not that He wasn't concerned about them, but they didn't quite understand that no ship can go down with the Master on board. They were perfectly safe. But nevertheless, he got up. He went out and he rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace, be still. And do you know everywhere they went, they told people about that, that he commanded even the wind and the sea and did obey him. There's not a man like him. There's nobody like him. A witness. It's no different today. We were Lazarus. We were that widow's woman's son. We were dead in sin. Lost and undone apart from God and apart from everything that's holy. I mean, we were dead in trespasses until the day came where He quickened us and turned the light on and we repented and He granted to us a measure of faith and we were able to reach the throne and pray through and be saved and have that moment of contact and now he said you shall be my witness that's what we are and so even as God's people we witness to other Christians when you have a storm uh, you know what we can say I can relate to you the storms that have happened in my life 
I can relate to you the mountains that he's moved in my life. I can relate to you the times that I've took my that I've took my eyes off of the storm and put them on him. And there's been a few times in my life I've done a bit of water walking my face. Why? Because there's nobody like him. He's one of a kind. He's my Lord and He's my God. And there's going to come a day, glory to God, I'm going to see you. I'm going to thank you. We've got eternity so there won't be a big rush. But just so you know, I'm going to be there in a while. I've got a lot to thank you. He's gave me things to witness about in my life. You know, sometimes you wonder why you go through the things that you go through. It just doesn't make sense. Why do bad things continue to happen? Why does one family seem to suffer so much more than other families? I don't know the mind of God. I can't tell you. I can promise you this. It's not always because you've been naughty. It's not always because you've been sinful. Sometimes it is. And I think in those times God tells you this is happening because of the choice you make. I believe He does. I believe that's what Nathan said. David, David, you're the man. You're the reason. Because of what you did, He makes the child of God know that sin has a punishment. But sometimes you've not done anything wrong. I mean, you've been good. You've been going to church. You've been praying more than you've ever prayed in your life. You've got a burden for the lost. You've been in the book. You've been reading the Scripture. I mean, you've been trying to witness it. And still things happen. Sometimes the closer you get to God, the more Satan's going to lash out after you. All I can tell you today is sometimes it ain't because you've been bad. Sometimes it's so God can say, when you're coming out the other side, now you can be a witness and you can tell others there's nobody like Him. Sometimes that's the why. It don't make sense to us down here. I promise you, there's coming a day you're going to stand before Him and He's going to gently draw you aside and say, let me show you now. Let me show you why. And let me show you the things that you never saw that came forth from that. The things that happened to you that you witnessed about to others and you had no idea the effect that had on them. You shall be a witness. That's incumbent upon us. I believe the Lord may come in our life. I really do. If we don't get off the road that we're on, I'm fairly confident that He might. But I'll say this. He might not come in our life. And if He does not come in our life, we must earnestly contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. We must be a witness. There's a generation coming on that doesn't doesn't have what we had. I mean, we had a generation that loved the Lord, that loved sinners, that go to them. That during revival, they'd go to their homes and say, say, sinner, we're praying for you. We know you might not come to revival meeting, so we decided to come here and pray. I mean, they loved back then. This generation needs that. They need a witness. God help us. They need us. They need the church. They need the church not like they've had it up to this. They need the church in power. 
They need a church to be able to get a hold of something tangible and real. They need some proof. They need some evidence that God is on the throne and He's real and He saves sinners. They need a witness. He told Paul, I'm going to make you a witness. He told his apostles, I'm going to make you a witness. The night or day that He saved your soul, He made you a witness. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sometimes it is through a voice. Sometimes it's in a testimony service at church. It don't always have to be at church. Sometimes it's out there amongst the wild, amongst the sinful, that you can be a witness. Sometimes it is here. And when He impresses upon, I would counsel you, get rid of the silliness. If it's not of God, don't you dare stand. This ain't a place to entertain people. It's a place to be a witness. If God is impressing upon you, stand and witness whatever it is. Silly, or it might be silly to you, but it might not be, whatever, if God's in it. If He's not in it, just sit there with your mouth shut and let your life be a witness. How do you know the difference? There's a spirit of discernment that the Father gives unto His children. We need to exercise that discernment. And if it is of God, open your mouth and guess what? Psalm says, open your mouth and I will fill it. I've heard people say I'm supposed to stand and say something, but I don't know. Just, just stand. That's the first thing. Just stand up. Open your mouth. How do you think I preach? These other brethren preach every Sunday. I just say, Lord, I'm going to open my mouth and I pray that You'll fill it with things that I've read and studied from days gone by. And He's faithful to do that. Be that witness. That's all I've got. Thank you for listening. May God.